As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write us off. It's two stars time. This is the Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. Once a week, The Athletic's Forest folk convene to talk all the big news and notes from Trent's side. On this episode, it's basically an apology to Glenn Murray and Chris Commons. Uh, we'll also reflect on another away win, look ahead to a pair of tricky looking fixtures, answer your questions and ask, did they really play for Forest? Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Two Stars. Yes, welcome in, listener. Thanks for lending us your ears. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, Forest fan and podcast host. I'm joined by the Athletics Forest correspondent, Paul Taylor. Hi, Paul. Good morning. Good morning to you. And Big Daddy Cool, Nick Miller, is also here too. <laughs> Hi, Nick. <laughs> How do, have you? You've been speaking to my partner. Is it? You, that's that's our, that's supposed to be our special nickname. No? Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was Diesel, that wrestler, by the way. If you want to look him up, Diesel. Into, uh, there was a yeah. wrestler called Diesel. His real name's Kevin Nash. He was in the um, uh, those films about the the strippers that did well. Magic Mike. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Oh, oh Christ. I, I know the another man you mean. I don't know whether it's whether it's from uh, wrestling or or male stripping, but you know, <laughs> you both got beards. That's why I thought of you, and you both oh, great. Okay. worked as strippers in the past. Anyway, uh, let's move on quickly. <laughs> and let's reflect then on last weekend's win at Adams Park. A three 0 success for the Reds, coupled with results elsewhere, means Forest to eighteenth in the table with a five point buffer between themselves and the relegation zone. Actually, third in the Championship form table based on the last ten games, only defeat in that time having come at home to Middlesbrough. Uh, interestingly, too, won all three away league games in, in 2021. What we're putting that away renaissance... What are we putting that away renaissance down to, Paul? Do you, do you think it's it's the opposition? Is it the fact that home advantage is not a thing this season? Or, or is there some element of Forest play that, that, that's suited being on the road more? I think it's a combination of a lot of things you've just talked about, really. It, it does very definitely feel like the home and away advantage has gone a little bit this season with... With there being no fans there, that that you know it, it works against Forest at the City Ground because as we, we know that Forest fans can occasionally be a little bit funny when things aren't going well, but they're also tremendous at getting behind the team when when they need it. You know the the, the roar at the City Ground when they when they get behind the team 
uh, in key moments has to make a big difference to players. Uh, but the same applies away as well. You know, uh, they've they've gone to grounds where they might have had a more hostile reception in the past and and have perhaps got away with it a little bit. I'm not sure that would have been the case at at Wickham exactly, but you know. Uh, it, it, it is a factor. I also think the new signings have, have made an impact as well. I know they, they might not all have necessarily been there for all of those away wins, but people like Kravinovic and, and, and Garner uh, and, and Murray, of course, have, have all made a, a really, really big difference to the side. I know it's only a short amount of time that we're talking about, but but all three of them have, have stood out for different reasons, with, with, with Murray obviously standing out more than anybody on on Saturday at Wickham when he was just superb. Uh, you know, my, my Twitter feed was full of bleakness and, and, and outrage and anger uh, when the team sheet came out. There were people who were utterly bemused as to why Murray would be in the team ahead of ahead of Taylor, but but I think he showed people exactly exactly why uh, Chris Hutton had put his faith in him with a, a goal after just a few minutes that was brilliant and then winning a penalty and, and scoring it to, to really put a cap on the game. He, he was outstanding. Nick, do you want to apologise to Paul for those abusive tweets that you, you sent him? <laughs> yeah, I've already got to kind of trim down the number of burner accounts on, on Twitter. I've got it just gets confusing after a lot of the time. Uh, he was great though, wasn't he, Murray? I mean, the, the goal was taken fabulously and he, he kind of, I don't want to say shit-assed his way to the penalty, but but he used all his experience to gain it. And, and you could kind of immediately see, obviously with the goals, but you could see what he can add that, that Forrest maybe haven't had this season. Yeah, have I, have, am I wearing kind of you know Garibaldi tinted glasses here? I, I thought that was just a penalty. I don't know. Maybe maybe he did earn it, but I, I thought it was a clear penalty. But yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we'll maybe get to our first apology of the uh, of the podcast to <laughs> Glenn Murray. Uh, just to, you know, to give everyone a little peek behind the podcasting curtain. A couple of weeks ago, I think it was I think it was just before Murray signed. I had a long list of notes um, explaining exactly and in some detail why he would. It was a terrible idea to sign Glenn Murray, um, but fortunately, Matt moved on in the running order before they got to me. So. Um, in the interest of full disclosure, I have kind of posted a screenshot of those notes on Twitter if you want to go and uh, have, have a look at my feed. But I am quite glad that uh, they aren't. That I, I didn't get to expand on uh, on those on on the podcast anyway. But yeah, exactly as you said, he's done kind of what you'd expect Glenn Murray of maybe two years ago to to do. You know, he's he said I think in Paul's pace that he wrote about uh, Mariota on this week that you know he's never had pace so he's so he's kind of never uh, he hasn't got that to lose he's just been the kind of you know expert finisher experienced presence smart kind of you know uh, smart positioning uh, general influence on the rest of the team it's exactly what the kind of the upside of Glenn Murray would be and, and I was to my shame focusing on the downside of what it could be as well kind of similarities with Teddy Sheringham I think and the way he kept going until he was nearly 40 didn't he went down the leagues but because he'd never had any pace it didn't matter um, so he's a, he's a big winner Glenn Murray Lyle Taylor maybe something of a loser Paul here's a, here's a question that's come to us via Twitter from Adam who asks are we overrating Lyle Taylor he's popular with fans who wanted to see him played more but is now comfortably third choice for the one striker position is there something he's lacking that we're not seeing? I guess the obvious thing would be goals. You know, he hasn't scored in the league for a long time. I think there's a line down the middle with Lyle Taylor, but it, it seems like he polarises views quite a lot. People either think he should be starting in the team every week or they now view him as being a waste of money because of everybody else's performances. But I think 
to be fair to him without being very mundane and sitting on the fence too much he's he's somebody that was an astute signing in the summer on a free transfer he's somebody that was always a good performer for Charlton particularly when he played against Forest. He, he looked like a clever addition and I still think he probably is but he probably isn't going to start every game between now and the end of the season because he is third in the backing order uh, Lewis Graben and, and, and Glenn Murray are probably going to be the two first choice forwards now and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's probably the right decision. Uh, I think they're probably the two better players, but that doesn't mean that, that Lyle Taylor doesn't have a role to play. There's there's a lot of games to go. It's a very compacted, very busy fixture list, and there's there's going to be fatigue, there's going to be suspensions, there's going to be injuries. And at some point this season, Forrest are going to need Lyle Taylor to show what he can do. And uh, I think he is somebody that can make a positive impact on the side this season. Yeah, just looking, Nick, at his stats, 13 starts, 13 subs in the Championship this <laughs> season. Uh, consistent, if nothing else, but probably not what he was hoping for or maybe even assuming when he joined. It's, you know, He wasn't short of suitors, was he? You're never quite sure with footballers because, and this isn't a, a criticism, they have to have that sort of, you know, uh, absolutely bulletproof self-belief so he probably signed and thought he was going to get in the team ahead of Lewis Graben you know when Graben's fit that's that's realistically that that was never going to happen and now Forrest have signed a more reliable source of goals I think he is sort of slightly overrated by a, a lot of Forrest fans anyway he is one of those players who can do a job and then who can you know come up with a goal every now and then is that there was a you know obviously that the excellent finish against Cardiff in the cup was it mm. which you know which was which was uh, a, 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 at that point a, a kind of bright spot in an otherwise fairly uh, you know bleak time but yeah he, he's a relatively he, he he can be an excellent championship level striker but he can also I don't know he, he can also look a bit ineffective he's kind of useful in that he can play in a, in a couple of different positions as well he's you know he can play out wide so he's not this isn't to say he's kind of not going to be any use for Forrest for the rest of the season like like Paul says but at, at the moment I'd, I'd certainly have him behind Murray and Graben in the pecking order if, we play, if Forrest are playing only one centre forward yeah one goal in his last 17 games that was that one against Cardiff uh, here's Simon who's tweeted to ask dare we dream of the playoffs or at least a decent run in the top half for what it's worth I'm feeling positive and think we're looking much better definitely that latter part is true Paul but we've got a couple <laughs> of tricky games coming up and that might bring everybody crashing back down to earth again. Yeah, I think when you look at the league table, and I think I've said this on Twitter, the 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 fact is is that Forest can make rapid progress quite some way up the table if they can continue their recent good run of form. The, you look ahead to teams like Blackburn and Stoke in eighth and ninth, and Bristol City in, in tenth. In fact, are all on thirty nine points, and that doesn't feel too far away when you look at Forest on thirty two points and on the run of form that they're in. I don't for a minute still think that they're going to get in the playoffs. I, I think that gap's far too big. But that doesn't mean there aren't reasons to be positive. If, if they can continue their good form, they can put talk of relegation fights behind them, at least for the short term. And, and that can only be a good thing, just easing that pressure, easing that having to look over your shoulder and, and worrying about whether you're going to slip into the bottom three or not. It, it, it really is telling how the teams below them are in good form. You look at the likes of Sheffield Wednesday and, and Rotherham, who were almost matching Forest for form in recent weeks, and it's a very good job on that front that, that Forest have kind of put together this little run, otherwise they would very much be in the bottom three now, which which would be scant reward for the, the kind of performances they've been putting in. All they can do, without sounding like, too much like a haggard old football manager. All they can do is focus on their own performances and 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 keep trying to chip away at, at, at getting you know getting positive results. Uh, at the same time, I entirely agree with your kind of 
vague insinuation there that they they have got a tough run and and what you don't want is if they do get the odd bad result for it to suddenly start feeling like the end of the world because it it won't be you know I, I could see them quite easily beating Bournemouth this weekend because they're having a bit of a stutter as well but then Swansea next week I kind of look at that one and blit, uh, and wince a little bit because that's going to be a tough tough game and if if you if you told me Forrest were going to get a point there next week I'd be very very happy indeed I'd take that right now there's the thing that people always say is oh there's always one team that kind of comes from nowhere and gets into the playoffs not really sure if that's actually actually true anymore but it's when you when Forest are um, you know winning a few games um, and in the form that Forest are in at the moment it is very easy to to sort of think of that and go but but maybe 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 we could maybe we could but I think I said last last week I I, I would be you know perfectly happy with some a load of scrappy one nil wins and a, a to, frankly a fairly boring last sort of third of the season and then you know see where we are start again next season yeah I'd agree with you there Nick right next up today we're going to talk Chris Commons. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. So Paul's teamed up with the Athletics Derby correspondent Ryan Conway to pen a piece on Chris Commons. Uh, we'll talk about it now. I'd strongly urge you, listener, to read the article in full to get the uh, the proper sense of it. You might need to cut yourself a fairly large slice of humble pie to eat while you're reading it, though. I know I did. Um, Paul, tell us about the piece. How did it come about and, and what was it that made you want to, to tell this story? It was one of the uh, articles in, in the, I think it's called the Inspired by You uh, series that we're doing at The Athletic, where... Uh, we asked fans to come up with something that they wanted to read about. And we had a, a fan who contacted us and said he wanted to know the inside story of, of Chris Commons' move from Forest to Derby and why it happened. So that's exactly what we did. I rang Chris and spoke to him about his time at, at, at Forest and, and Derby. And I, I had actually intended to do a, a broader piece and maybe that'll come further down the line because he, he spoke very well and very honestly for probably about an hour or so and there was loads and loads of really good stuff from him but it just felt like the story that needed telling to begin with was probably exactly that just purely the the reasons behind his move from Forest to Derby and at, at the time he was he was labeled a Judas he was given lots of abuse he was he was you know cast as the evil villain in the in the football pantomime if you like and and, and you could kind of understand why without knowing the full story but when you speak to him about it there was there was a couple of things that that were really very much behind the whole coming to that decision of moving to Derby. And he knew what it would have meant. He knew the, the, the things that would come hand in hand with that. But the fact is, is the Forest hadn't uh, offered him a contract. Uh, he, he didn't turn down a Forest contract to, to go to Derby instead. It, there was never a case of him turning his back on Forest to move to their arch rivals. Forest just didn't put a deal on the table. And, and secondly, he tells the, the, the harrowing and, and, and sad story about how he and his partner... Uh, Lisa, in, in in the months before, or, or as this was all unfolding towards the end of the season, uh, at a time when he knew he was running out of contract and Forrest were in the promotion race, they they very sadly uh, had a had a stillbirth baby in, in in Lola, and all of this kind of shaped his thinking as well. The the, the fact that he he wanted to look after his family, he wanted to keep his his partner Lisa close to her family and within her support bubble, and that's how he ended up moving to Derby because you know geographically it was 
it was the best move for him and he, he kind of took it even knowing what the ramifications of that would be uh, but he, he spoke incredibly honestly and, and very colourfully and very openly about, about all the challenges and 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 you know all the fallout from from that decision Nick I get why he didn't explain about the the personal elements of it that's in, entirely his his right to keep that private obviously but it's interesting that he didn't mention at the time publicly about actually not having been offered a contract and and later down in the piece he, he talks about a conversation he subsubsequently had with with Colin Coldwood when he was in Scotland you, you think it would have been an easy thing for him to do to do an interview with somebody like Paul or whether it was the Derby Telegraph at the time or whatever and say I wasn't offered a contract by Forrest. I've not walked out. They haven't asked me to stay. And, and that would have changed perception, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think that um, any reason like like that, so if, if we assume that he didn't want to talk about, and, you know, what, it's no one else's, frankly, no one else's business, whether he talks about this at the time now or whenever, it's in, that, would, that was entirely his choice to talk about the, uh, the personal situation. But, I think any reason he would have given along along the lines of well, Forrest didn't give me a, a contract. I don't really think would have made a huge amount of difference. I don't really think that Forrest fans would have you know particularly you know said oh well you know fair enough we're not going to you know treat him like any player that moved from from Forrest to to Derby would. He could have said that it, it might have made a bit of a difference. I mean you know he might have done. I can't I can't exactly remember what he said at the time. But to be honest, I don't think it would have made a huge amount of difference. Yeah, that's probably fair. Paul used the phrase pantomime villain, which I think is a good way to describe him at the time. But like me, Nick, you were you were going to matches as a supporter in, in this time. And although it seems silly now, knowing what I do, I did feel hurt by him leaving Forest for Derby. And that was where, you know, all the all the chance and, and the, the barrage of abuse that he got in that FA Cup came in particular came from. It's... It's a fine line, isn't it? Because those those feelings of hurt and disappointment that he left Forrest to join Derby are not invalid, but clearly blown out of proportion given the circumstances. And it comes back to that thing we've been talking about in in recent weeks about forgetting the person behind the footballer. It kind of it well, hopefully, should lead people to think about this idea of investing too much of your life in. Or or applying too much of your kind of identity with a football club. We all, you know, support Forest, and um, it, it it's obviously incredibly important to us. But it's it is important to just kind of put a little bit of distance between those aspects of your life. By all means, passionately support Forest, and you know, be upset when we lose, and you know, enjoy it when we win, and those kind of emotions and feelings are going to are inevitably going to run deep. But if you do kind of think about things a little bit more logically, if you do put a little bit of distance between yourself and, and those kind of emotions, then it's much easier to, to kind of deal with things on a, on a, a human level and, and not subject, subject people to abuse because it's sort of like transferring those those feelings of her on behalf of the football club to it being like a personal thing, which you know is very easy to do. I've done it. You've you know as as you said you've you've done it as well. But it is again just important to separate, try and separate those things a little bit, 
and um, again, just kind of think of the person. I mean, we, we've we, we've seen it the kind of this week with with Jurgen Klopp, who was obviously getting a lot of criticism for you know some inc- at best snippy and fairly uh, unpleasant media interviews he did. But then you know the the kind of the uh, it, 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 the the news came out that his mother passed away a couple of weeks ago. So you know it's not a, not a, a huge surprise that someone was. Uh, you know, perhaps not himself, um, or you know, acting in a, in a slightly different way. You never know what's what people are thinking about. You never know what's really happening with people's lives. And hopefully, things like this and the the you know the interview that uh, Commons did with Paul and um, and the news about Jurgen Klopp will maybe help people think about those things a little bit more before they react. Finally, Paul, did did you think that? Did you get the sense that this was a, a cathartic experience for, for Chris Commons speaking to you? Was it something that he'd wanted to get off his chest for a while, probably after he'd retired, I guess? It wasn't something that had to be coaxed out of him when we were chatting. It was kind of something that he talked about quite freely. It, it wasn't a series of questions that I asked him to get to the point of why it happened. He just it, it just came to him naturally just to talk about it. So may, maybe it was, you know. I, I'd actually just started covering Forrest at the time when, when he left and... Uh, it was a strange time. The club were very coy about it. Perhaps with hindsight, that's now more understandable why they were coy about it. I think what they did, perhaps without taking on fully what personal things he was going through, is that they made a business decision. They, they He kind of hints at it himself when he talks about how they'd drawn up this, this chart of looking at how many chances he created, how many chances the team created when he wasn't in the side, how they did when he was in the side and when they weren't. And they'd made a very calculated decision about whether he was perhaps worth the financial input that it would take to keep him. And they decided, seemingly, that, that it, it wasn't perhaps worth the money that it would require to keep him there. Again, judging it purely on a football decision, then that, that's their prerogative. And with, with hindsight, they, they perhaps made the wrong decision when you look at his record afterwards. He did very well for Derby, did exceedingly well for Celtic, went on and won a lot of trophies up in Scotland and played for Scotland and turned out to be the the, the, the decent player that... We, we all know he could be. Uh, I, I think what makes it perhaps worse for Chris himself is the fact that he was a Forest fan. He grew up in, in Mansfield. He grew up idolising the likes of Des Walker. He talked about how he, he played this little uh, this, this game at the City Ground when he was a very little lad uh, and how much it meant to him. And then walking down you know the steps down the side of the River Trent towards the training ground where it was then. And uh, I think his own personal connection to Forest perhaps made it worse. The decision they made wasn't a personal one, it was a football one. But his personal connection with the club made it worse for him and his personal connection with the fans made it worse in their eyes for them. They saw it as being an act of treason going to Derby where as Forrest made a football decision, he made a family decision and fans perhaps weren't entirely aware of either factor. They just saw it as being this pantomime villain situation where he, he moved off to join their arch rivals when in actual fact there's probably more to it from from both sides of things. It, it's a really sad story given everything that happened to him uh, and you've got to admire him for the way that he and his partner subsequently did all the uh, all the all the charity stuff and set up these wonderful rooms for for families of of, of, of parents of, of stillborn babies who are going through terrible ordeals and, and not wanting to be stuck on a normal ward with 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 other parents who are celebrating the birth of their babies that must be horrible so some 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 good came out of a horrible situation and uh, yeah hopefully people's perspective will have been changed 
a little bit by him actually telling the story and and telling it so honestly. Just if if, if I could uh, just make a, one other point as well. The the the, the, the thing about him um, kind of thinking about his partner and you know making his career decisions at least partly based on 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 a kind of her needs. That's something that is sort of st- I think still kind of I don't know. Uh, mocked quite a lot in football. If if a player dis- makes a career decision about where they're going to move based on what their partner or their family likes, I mean, you know, I don't know. The, the, I think it was David Unsworth. I think the, the, the old the kind of old story about how he, he didn't stay at Aston Villa because his wife didn't like it there or didn't want to move to Birmingham and stuff. Well, you know, there there are much worse reasons to making a career decision than thinking about what your you know your partner is is kind of happy with as well that there are kind of countless stories about players kind of moving abroad and you know which everyone seems to kind of expect it just to be a kind of singular decision based on only what that footballer wants to do and just not kind of there's no consideration given to what the partner might think and that them you know that all the stories about their being just completely isolated in you know in odd places that they're told they're going to you know you know a day's notice or whatever it is and it's a fascinating piece it's it's a a heart-wrenching piece as well but i would encourage everybody to to go and check that out now the athletic.com slash forest pod is the place to go to sign up if you're not already a member okay forest back in action on saturday lunchtime as they host bournemouth before heading back to swansea on wednesday we'll look ahead to those games next This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. So two tough games in the space of five days ahead for the Reds then. First Bournemouth visit the city ground in the early kickoff on Saturday before yet another game against Swansea on Wednesday of next week. Uh, as geography fans will know, Bournemouth is near the beach. Only reasonable, therefore, that I asked the chaps for Forest players past and present as stuff you find at the beach. Um, Paul, I think you won this game last week. Uh, uh, Were so the I'm winners gonna... in this game? <laughs> you didn't lose as much as Nick did in this game last wow. week. So. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hang on. Last week, last week was a story about the guy who uh, made furniture that lifted up to the ceiling when it's not in use. What? If that isn't that... a winner, then I don't know what it is. <laughs> that was an outstanding story, to be fair. But unless you've got something similar this time around, I'm going to be... Your, your standing will be diminished in my eyes mm. considerably. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. I, I, I'll be honest; I struggled a little bit this week. So, uh, so let, 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 let's see what you got, Paul. My mine are terrible, but my personal favourite, and this this is terrible. I freely admit it is Mustafa Parasol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think that that's going to take some beating. Uh, did the, you have any more? The very very predictable Joe Lolly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, if it's windy, you could have Alex Kiton. Oh. <laughs> No, that's nice. not good. No, <laughs> no? we're not having that one. No. Nikki, Nikki Shorey. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, you yeah. Could, there was a slightly apologetic tone there, and it was there for a reason because that's terrible. <laughs> uh, and and this is awful. I freely admit this is awful, and I, I apologise in advance. But Tyler Bucket. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Oof. No, not not for me. Not for me. Go on then, Nick. Give some improvement to those. Oh no, no, no improvement at all. Uh, I've got uh, Nino de Costa because uh, Costa is means coast in Portuguese. Hmm? Fancy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Chris slash George Boyd, 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 Boyd. No, no, no. And the other one, the only other one I've got. Oh, I had Joe Lolly as well. Um, uh, first had a player in the forties called Sailor Brown. Um, oh, his, nice. His real name was Robert, but it was given his nickname apparently due to his rolling gait and muscular, muscular, stocky build. Um, he was also born in Great Yarmouth, so presumably you would literally find him on the beach at some point. Yeah, nice, okay. Well, those ones are better than the ones that, that I mustered. Uh, Ian Windbrecking. Oh, <laughs> whoa. Wow. Yeah. There was a player in the early 1900s called John Sands, so that's legit, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's fine. On, on the Nicky Shorey thing, Robbie Earnshaw seemed like an obvious one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robbie Shark Finsley. It's <laughs> the worst in the bunch, isn't it? Uh, yeah, not successful that this week, so let's talk about the game instead. Uh, as we recall, Bournemouth without a permanent manager following the dismissal of Jason Tindall. Jonathan Woodgate in caretaker charge. He's given a decent audition to get the gig on a more permanent basis so far. They beat Birmingham last weekend, then Burnley in the Cup on Tuesday. Actually, though, Paul, they're, they're a couple of fairly generous fixtures for him, aren't they? Because Birmingham in terrible form and, and Burnley played their reserves. I know Bournemouth changed their their team too, but but it looks like Woodgate's going to be uh, in the dugout for, for Saturday's game. Yeah, I think there's a, a steady manager in there somewhere and... What you don't want is for that new manager bounce to continue. Uh, I know he's not the permanent, the permanent fixture there, but uh, he's got a very, very good squad—a a squad that's basically a Premier League squad to kind of work with. And even a half decent manager, if they can coax a, a good level of performance out of those, they're going to be quite formidable opposition. What you hope is that their more recent form is 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 maintained at, at the shooting ground again without the old manager coming out at me again uh, Forest all they can do is try and keep their own performance levels up if they can play like they did against Wickham then they've got a very good chance of winning and there has been this slow and steady and consistent improvement under under Hewton you, you get the sense that we're, we're gradually starting to see more of of what his teams are about and with Garner and his passing, and uh, I've got to mention that pass for the for the for the last goal uh, at Wickham as well, because his ball from the centre of the pitch out to Lolly on the left with the outside of his boot, we were right behind it, and it kind of curled gloriously into the, the feet of Lolly. It was just a wonderful ball. Nick Forrest have got to do better than they did in uh, in the November reverse fixture, haven't they? Two 0 defeat. They were absolutely dreadful that night. It's a it's a different team now. It feels like one of the things about this game is it, it could be a sort of a, a test of how good Forrest's form actually is or how much of the, the, the how kind of real this kind of revival under Chris Hewton is because the wins in the league certainly have come against teams that are kind of in the bottom half of the table um, broadly speaking you know obviously Wickham Coventry and then there was Sheffield Wednesday back in December as well I suppose the only one that you doesn't really fit into that category is Preston but they're such an odd team that have this kind of strange um, weird weirdly bad home form so you could kind of explain away, blend that away but 
I mean, you know, even if Bournemouth are on a bit of a kind of bit of a slump at the moment, uh, which obviously led to Tyndall sacking, if Forest get a result against Bournemouth, then I think we can all there there is something more sort of tangible to this return of form than basically just beating a load of rubbish teams. So you know, know, who who knows whether that that will actually happen, but if even a point I think would kind of be provide some reassurance that this isn't just a sort of a um, a, a brief and um, temporary kind of run of form but it could be the the the, the signs that something has actually changed and, and really is kind of changed for you know for in the medium long term as well any uh, early team news, Paul? We've got Grabben and Amiobi obviously missed out last week. Yates, McKenna and Sal all still sidelined, I guess. It wouldn't surprise me to see Yates back uh, in the squad. Uh, he apparently was itching to be involved like two weeks ago. He would have he would have come back in if, uh, if Chris Hewton would have let him. But uh, Lewis Grabben apparently had a very slight... Hewton described it as being an issue with his lower hamstring, but only a very slight one. The, the kind of suggestion was that he was only left out more as a precaution than anything so he could certainly be involved uh, having had some time to to rest that problem other than that in all honesty I I think even if if all the injuries came back I I can't see Hewton actually changing very much purely because the performance was uh, was pretty good at at Wickham and his track record is that he doesn't really tend to change things when things have gone well if he doesn't have to so it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him name a, a, a pretty much similar team when when Forrest faced Bournemouth uh, the, the the big thing was the one question I had was whether he'd bring Ribeiro back in for Bong and he didn't and, and Bong actually played quite well and and, and set up the first goal for, for Murray. So he he would certainly be unlucky if he was to lose his place as well. Uh, there, there weren't any bad performances in the team, to be fair. So I, I can't see much reason to, to change it. It'll be the first time the teams have met at the City Ground since 2015. Forrest won 2-1 that day. Courtesy of goals from Jamal Sells and Henry Lansbury. Bournemouth have never won at the City Ground. Uh, so after that then, it's on to Swansea again. One of the toughest games you could have in the division just now. Probably just behind Brentford, I'd say. They did have a game in midweek beaten by Manchester City, whereas Forest have had some some time off. But as you've said, Paul, it's it's going to be tricky. Do you think this will be like ultra-defensive setup from Hewton and kind of damage limitation if we can take a point from this great? Possibly. Uh, I think Forrest, if we're being entirely honest, are probably set up to be tough to break down as a starting point anyway. We are seeing a little bit more attacking ambition come into the team. We are seeing... Uh, a little bit more attacking threat being found in recent games, but there was very much room for that. They they were earlier in the season. They had one of the highest uh, expected goals figures in in the division. That that's dropped off quite a bit in recent weeks, but we're starting to see it it come back again. They look like they could have scored more goals against Wickham certainly. Uh, if they can keep that kind of defensive rigidity and that kind of solidity that having those two deep aligned midfielders in front of the back four provides. That gives the freedom to the two fullbacks to bomb on. That gives you attacking width. That helps the front four with their creativity and getting bodies into the box. Then, you know, there's, there's no reason why this Forest side can't score goals, not with players like Murray and Knockart as well. We haven't mentioned Knockart. He, he really seems to be showing the player that he is. He hadn't in the first half of the season, but in recent weeks, it feels like he's finding his sharpness, his confidence, Whatever it is behind it, he's starting to look like the Anthony Knockhart that used to uh, terrorise Forrest generally whenever he played against them. So 
having somebody like him in the team and playing well and perhaps linking up with Murray, who he knows very well from their time at Brighton, all of it bodes well if it can come together, if it can, can carry on sort of gelling as you feel like it is, then there's there's no reason why Forrest can't continue this, this steady uh, climb in the right direction. Hopefully, uh, hopefully all of that's not undone by a defeat on Saturday, but it, it does feel like things are at least providing cause for optimism, positivity. Nick, what would be a decent return from from these two games against Bournemouth and uh, and Swansea, do you think? I I guess you don't want to lose both because then we're looking at uh, Rotherham and Derby toward the end of the month with Blackburn sandwiched in between. You don't want to lose this momentum. So two points, would you take that? I would happily take two points. I mean, uh, I don't know whether this is excessive miserabilism, but Paul was talking (laughs) earlier about, um, you know, (laughs) happily taking a point at Swansea. I mean... Not just after the cup game, but given the way that they are playing at the moment, I would happily take a kind of respectable defeat at the moment. Playing Swansea away, they just they look so good that um, yeah, absolutely delighted. We're absolutely delighted with two points from from these two games. The Bournemouth game is definitely more more winnable, but you know, a couple of draws would do me very nicely. Maybe I'm a bit greedy, but I'd like three points from the two games. Okay, we'll see. I'll say four, and then we'll see where we are this time next week. (laughs) That Swansea game is Wednesday at seven o'clock. It means we'll be reacting to it just hours later in next week's show. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right, it's that time of the week where Nick humiliates Paul and I in our weekly quiz. Did they really play for Forrest? Nick, over to you to explain how it works. There, there, those rubbing hands together again. I'd like to hear that. <laughs> Any new listeners? This is a um, a notable player who has spent a brief, well, possibly brief, but definitely forgettable spell at Nottingham Forest. There are five clues. I think in uh, the, so the the toughest piece of information will be first, and then if you don't get it by the fifth piece of information, then um, you know you need to resign from this podcast and you know, <laughs> never watch another game of football again. So the first clue. In my first full season in the top four, playing in the top four divisions, I played alongside Carl Tyler. In my last full season in the top four divisions, I played along alongside Lee Martin. That's Lee Martin, the uh, former Manchester United youngster who thought he was Cristiano Ronaldo and really wasn't. Hmm. Okay. Carl Tyler uh, and Lee Martin. Have you got anything, Paul? Hmm. No. No, I haven't. Is this is this player retired, Nick? Can I ask that? You know what? I'm I'm actually not. He, he is certainly no longer playing in the football league. Uh, okay, my guess is going to be Luke Chambers, so it's not him. No, uh, no, it's not him. No. Paul, have you um, got a guess at this stage? No, no, I'm I'm, I'm barren. Uh, okay, cl- uh, clue number two. I was until recently an assistant manager in the National League South. Oh. Okay, uh, right. National League South. I'm trying to think of some. Do you know any teams in the National League South offhand? I've got Dulwich <laughs> Hamlet, that's it. Yeah. An assistant manager in the National League South. 
The eight, oh, Christ. This is getting harder week by week, I think. I think we're going to have to skip to the next clue. Uh, okay, next clue. I played in a European final where I was beaten by a former Watford manager. Admittedly, that um, that last well, that's not a clue, is it? My goodness, no, it's, it? it's, it's quite superfluous because <laughs> it doesn't narrow it down very much. But um, I I played in a European final. Okay, so knowing you, this is like it's probably the Anglo-Italian Cup final in 1997 <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of the. No, it's not him, is it? He'd have a. Is it Kit Simons? No, I don't think he's played for Forest, does he? No, I don't think he has either. I don't know why no. I was thinking of that. I'm just trying to think of... I'm thinking of that Europa League final that Fulham lost. Although maybe it's Middlesbrough. Anyway, Paul, have you got a guess? Was was he player assistant manager? Uh, well, uh, the, oh, you're skipping back a clue. All right. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, well, I, 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 he, he was for a spell. I don't know if he was still player it- assistant manager. Paul Koncheski? It is Paul Koncheski. Oh, That's very really oh, good. Well That's superb. That's genuinely very good. Although I'm slightly disappointed I didn't get to read out uh, my uh, the next I piece of information. I bet it's about his mum, isn't it? It is. Yes, it would have <laughs> given it away. My, my mother shot. once called the supporters of one of my clubs scum on Facebook after some particularly <laughs> trenchant criticism from them. Uh, that, oh, club was Liverpool, that club was Liverpool, which uh, was going to be the final clue. Obviously, played on Forest, played first on loan from Liverpool, and regularly feature on lists of their worst ever signings. <laughs> I had completely forgotten that he ever played for Forest. 15 there games, according to our good friends at Wikipedia. He even scored a goal uh, in he 2011. I don't, I don't know if you've been paying bad. attention. I thought he was all right. I don't know if you've been paying attention, Matt, but that is sort of the point of this quiz. An equaliser at home to Preston. You thought he was all right at Forest, did you, Paul? Not amazing, but he was steady. I don't, I don't recall him being terrible. Uh, I certainly wouldn't put him in any list of, of worst ever signings. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I think I he know. was... If, I, think, I don't know whether they've got quite got the chronology right, but it, it was obviously one of those seasons where Forrest didn't have a, a left-back at all and various people kind of um, you know, came in and, and paused in that slot for a, a little while. I think this would, he would have signed in the January where Forrest nearly signed Gareth Bale on loan. <laughs> yeah. 2011, I think yeah. the, the chronology works out about right. Uh, that could, maybe it was, that was the year before, but, you know, what could have been? Could, remember, could, I mean, if things had worked out in a slightly different way, Gareth Bale could be the, the subject of... Um, he could have been most remembered as being the subject of this quiz. <laughs> Imagine. I, I remember Paul Koncheski being remarkable for the fact I was always convinced he was bold because he shaved his head and then like a few years later he appeared on telly playing somebody he had a full head of hair yeah. I'm like wow where's that yeah. come from so he's uh, assistant that's... at Billericay was he or maybe he, still is he was to uh, Jamie O'Hara he, he, he's, 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 they left there in December I, I just wasn't sure whether he was player assistant manager there but yeah. I see. interesting uh, we look forward to another one of those next week and that's just about it for today's show though uh, Paul before we go tell us what athletic subscribers can uh, can read from you we've mentioned the commons piece you'll be working on on something else post Bournemouth I guess if you haven't uh, caught it already as well there was a nice piece with Glenn Murray earlier in the week uh, just in the aftermath of his performance we, we were putting together a longer read on him but we decided to sort of go with it given that well the iron was hot if you like strike while the iron's hot uh, that was quite a nice piece on Monday. Then the common stuff has gone live today. Uh, beyond that, I'm looking at a piece on what impact the new signings have made. As, as I've waffled on a bit about today, I think uh, I know it's only a short amount of time, but but the likes of Garner and and everybody else, Murray, they, they, they all seem to have made an impact. And I, I just wonder whether it's had an effect on the rest of the team as well and perhaps just 
inspired a bit of extra motivation in the rest of the players. We'll, we'll see how that one turns out. I've given it away already. You might as well not read it. <laughs> <laughs> but do subscribe um, to The Athletic anyway. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, what are you working on, Nick? Your, your brief is wider than uh, just covering the two-time European champions. Yeah, uh, what am I working at the moment? I'm, I'm working on a few things that I don't necessarily want to jinx because they might not work. So um, I'm just going to say, uh, for the sort of attention of my bosses, if nothing else, I am working hard, um, <laughs> but it's probably best not to kind of... It, 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 it all sounds much more kind of interesting and you know secretive than it actually is, but I just don't want to jinx things. Okay, that's fair. Uh, remember, if you're not currently a subscriber, you can sign up now for just three ninety nine a month for the first six months. Just head to theathletic.com slash forestpod for all the info. Many thanks to Paul, to Nick, and it's a big welcome and thank you to our new producer, AD. Uh, mainly, though, to you, listener. We'll catch up with you again same time next week. For now, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye. The Athletic.